Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. One of the things that I wanted to talk about today was product outcomes. And the reason I wanted to talk about that was similar to what we were just talking about. It was like, we might have business outcomes or project initiatives that we're working towards. And I find teams struggle with the lagging and the leading indications of how to measure the success of their work, their experimentation, the things that they do, the activities. Um, and they struggle to really identify the predictive direction of their work that would drive that business outcome. So that lagging indicator, how the business measures the value. An example being gross margin. Yeah. Business probably has growth goals, right? It's either profitability, gross margin, something EBITDA, something whatever. It's some sort of metric that all teams contribute to, not just the product team, right? And maybe all multiple product teams, right? It's probably not just a, you know, it's just the whole business. <laughs> we all need to focus on this. But then how do you as a team, even with dependencies, identify that what's in your control that you can help influence that measurement that your team can then do the work, right? So I find that product outcome is super critical and crucial to helping teams be more empowered. And the, it, it takes a lot of practice to do that well to uh, craft the the right thing that is that is usable you know and that that is within your control what have you that can influence an outcome and teams don't spend time on that as much as that I'm seeing and they don't understand the power of a really valuable product outcome metric and aligning their work communication organization right that's kind of what I wanted to chat mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. on that yeah well, th this reminds me of you know, so first of all I'm I'm not a sports person I just love analogies and sports offers so many good analogies. Yes. So I think it's basketball, the plus minus. What is somebody's plus minus score? So before that metric came out, people looked at, you know, how many, how many goals are they scoring? How many assists are they making? But the plus minus looks at how well is the team doing when that person is on the floor? Whether they touch the ball at all, does the team do better or worse? Mm, right? So you could, you could not have any of those leading metrics in any shining, shining way, but, but if your plus minus is high, if you make the team perform well because you're there, that's what matters. And, and in a way, that is pulling the signal out of the noise of an entire team's performance or an entire company's performance. So it's up to, you know, to, to, to bridge over with this analogy where we're talking about how do you figure out what a product's plus minus is for the company? Well, that, that I think what you're describing even still can be a lagging indicator because it's just telling you the performance of it, right? But what I'm actually asking is like, how do you extract that plus minus to say, well, what are the contributing factors to that plus minus for that individual? And what are the activities that that individual does that contributes to the plus minus factor? 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying break it down even further to say, well, what's in that individual's control? Like I would imagine for for basketball, using going back to the analogy, your height. Because like that's a that's an uncontrollable thing. But like mm-hmm. if they're a certain height, that is a measurement that goes into that lagging indicator of the plus or minus, you know, inertia, right? And so you can say like, and maybe it's it's there's a factor, right? It it has a uh, 0.2% influence over the plus minus if they're above a certain height, right? Maybe I don't know. Maybe. It, it's an assumption, right? And it, but but okay, do they practice every day? Do they work out in a certain way? Do they? Do, how many? You know, what's their free throw percentage? And how many free throws do they make? Like all these things kind of go into that plus minus. How is their team relationship, right? Like how do they? Do they? How many conversations do they have with the players? Do they actually see them? Is it? Is it a is it a buddy buddy relationship? Does that drive better plus minus relationship or on that on the court? And so I think what I I find a lot of teams, at least that I've been experiencing, is that they struggle to identify those things that are in their control to influence the plus minus mm-hmm. because it's it's very like it's a hard mental gymnastics to do. And then it, it, furthermore, like it has to do with the value that you're. Pr- delivers to a customer which adds this unique complexity to it and so i'm curious like as an exercise we can kind of go through this with what you're dealing with now because i i would be like i i found i've done this a few times with a few pms and gotten an incredible amount of value out of this to define what that product outcome is and if you're comfortable enough with with your with your work maybe we can work on that together i think so it can now, be like an exercise bear in mind i'm yeah. i'm doing product product attached services so right right we're not yes i i i what i'm proposing is is actually it what i think this is this is my experiment here yeah, yeah is that it really doesn't matter what type of product or work it is it's like the way to identify the north star metric for like the company it. and then subsequently how you contribute to it so you know the way that i've been looking at this too with a lot of enterprise companies or you know complex b2b marketplaces whatever there's still some sort of customer that initiates the value exchange with your quote-unquote product which is actually your entire business Mm -hmm. and so when we talk about that customer or really the user and not the account but the user that goes through and says you know vm uh, am i saying is it still vmware I'm just making sure we get it the is right today. Or I, I probably it okay. will be. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're, whether we are acquired yeah. or not, we keep the name VMware intact. Got it. So in this case, who is the user? How would you describe that title, that person that is reaching out to VMware to initiate in the value exchange? Yeah. In my case, because I'm in VMware Tanzu Labs, we're working with customers who are using the Tanzu products for their uh, platform. To, to run their apps on. And there are a lot of ways that different people look at it. But to me, it always comes down to, um, is, the, is our customer, you know, whatever company it is, able to do a better job every day? Because, you know, because they're using our product well. You know, we believe in our product. But it has to be used well. And that's where things, like, you know, with a lot of things, like platform products are complex. And so they're always hard to use. And even if you use it well, it doesn't mean you're operating well. So part of what we try to inculcate with our customers is 
here's how you use the product well from a technical standpoint, but here's how you operate well from a people standpoint, from a sustainability standpoint. How do you go fast forever? Hmm. And in this case, you know, you're talking about the subset of what you offer within the context of your customer, right? Because you're, I mean, well, let's go back to the user that is engaging with VMware, right? Because the user is is starting to use VMware software, right? Mm. As as a whole encompassing thing. Mm -hmm. So who is that user that is initially engaging with VMware to have the full package delivery? In my world, value. In my world, these are going to be infrastructure teams. So not naming any names, a a typical customer is uh, deep in the, deep in the bowels of the IT world, there's the infrastructure team who's running at some level, the stuff that everything else runs on top of. And we may or may not even be talking to app teams. Now we. Yeah. For my corner of the world, we do talk to app teams, but only after we get that platform in place. Um, Perfect. So it's some sort of, that's that's the identity of the customer here, the account, which is like, it's some sort of IT department that is running a system. It's running it, the platform. I'm not trying to be prescriptive, running platforms. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then who is that person on the IT organization or that group that actually reaches out and engages with VMware? Mm. It. It varies, but generally it's whoever's in charge of infrastructure. IT? Yeah. Infrastructure. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what are, yeah, what are the roles typically that, that you see in that, in that position? Like what the titles maybe? Oh. Mm. Gosh, I mean, just kind of the, the generally it's just head of in- infrastructure. I mean, it, it could be CIO on top of that. It could be, I mean, it, it, it does vary now in oh, there. Well, we'll let's ha- call that head of infrastructure. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, we will have whoever's heading up apps might be involved and that's a good thing because they're the person that we together ultimately serve. So we help our customers serve the people doing the apps. So when, when the head of apps is there, that's a good sign because it means that our customer yeah. understands what they're really doing. Right. So they're they're okay. And and but this head of infrastructure has some moment in time where they are saying, hey, we need to engage with VMware. We need to, you know, partner with them to do X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. or get this value out of it. Right. Yeah. And when you how would you go ahead? No, it's it's I mean, they they'll come to us for one of three reasons, basically. They want to be able to do more of what they're doing. They want to be able to do it better or faster. So getting more value, like you mentioned, or they want to be able to do what they're doing with better stability, lower risk. So like, ah, we, we like what we're doing, but it's, you know, it, uh, maybe we have compliance issues or we're worried about outages or, or what have you, or they want to reduce costs. And that's the most common scenario I see is. Okay. We moved to the cloud or we moved off the cloud and we have regrets and because we got our bills. Yeah. Okay. Here is perfect. Okay. So we have head of infrastructure. Let's use the be- most common <laughs> value prop that they come to for you. Head of infrastructure is trying to reduce costs be- and, and can you contextualize that with like a struggle moment? 
Like how they, yeah, like you just mentioned, they they're moving off the cloud. Can you rearticulate what you said there? Mm. Like that desire to reach out to VMware in their language. Yeah, they they often come to us to reduce their costs, and and the calculus varies. Sometimes to them, making it cheaper means they want to close down their data centers and get into the cloud. And for other folks at the scale they're working at, they want to get off the cloud and go back to data centers because they think that would be more efficient to run. You know, we can handle either scenario. But either What's way, most common. Oh, hmm. Most common is moving to the cloud. Okay. Currently. Let's use that. Okay, this is good. All right, so let's say we have the user, the head of infrastructure. He's saying, I have this initiative. I need to reduce cost of, of my infrastructure. We need to move to the cloud. And that's why I'm getting going to VMware because I know I'm going to get that value of reducing the cost of my infrastructure. And this is how they're going to help me do this, which is move to the cloud. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, but that's kind of the, it's what they come to you, the value that they expect and want to receive as a user, right? Correct. Okay, cool. So now let's talk about measurement. And I think this is something around your North Star, which is like, yes, revenue, yes, whatever. But when they receive that value, what does that look like in practice? Mm -hmm. Like, is there a call? Is it like, is it a, yeah, go ahead. Well, so uh, I'm working on an engagement now where we have two different teams or, or two different areas of practice in, in, in our professional services working together. One area is tasked solely with standing up platforms. You know, we're going to get you a dial tone. We're going we're gonna to get you signal. We're going to stand up a platform from nothing so that you have a place to go, the, the landing zone, as it were. And we have a separate team. All they do is migrate apps. And so it's very easy to think, oh, the output here is we, we just got to stand up this, this, we have to stand up this platform and we're done. But no, 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 we have to get apps onto it. And it's easy to think, yeah, we're going to move some apps and we're done. It's like, well, kind of. That's our scope, but what the customer needs to do is they need to be able to turn off their old data centers because they are fully confident that everything can run in the new platform. Now that's beyond our scope, but that's the North Star. Yeah. And so where we there have to, yeah, I like that. Right. So, you know, I, I, I go into this engagement reminding everyone we have our scope and we're going to make sure we deliver that, but we need to do it in a way that sends them in the right trajectory toward that North star, their North star. Yeah. So I mean, the way that you can potentially measure this is, you know, if you're talking about accounts or users, how many users turn off data centers, right? Or Maybe it's it's the amount of data centers. There's got to be something a little bit more tangible potentially to measure. I'm sure you, you have this written down, but like this, you know, in, in terms of metric that you can control and move, or at least the product out, the North Star here yeah. is the more of these that we have, the more turned off data centers from our users, the better we're doing as a business. That's what's going to make us grow. That's our growth engine, right? If we were to use that terminology. Yeah, I mean... 
So that's really hard to measure because it's completely external to us. So mm -hmm. what we can look at is renewals. It's one thing to sell the software and to see some consumption. Some receipt that I receive value and I want to do it more, right? It's the renewal that matters because, you know, maybe we get a customer who we set them all up and they move all their apps over, but they never get to a point where they feel confident enough to turn off the old data center to, to remove the backups uh, or the fallback until they can turn that off. Then they're just paying double. They've done the opposite of their goal. Yeah. And we don't see the renewals unless they, they feel really good about what they've been doing with our product. And that's more of like a longer term, like a lagging indicator, right? Because you could say like, that's just, hey, we're doing great, right? And it's like, and it's retained as product market fits there, great. But the value to the user in this case is, hey, I can stop paying this old way, this data center. And now I could, you know, go with you all or this, you know, the cloud infrastructure, you stand up for them, right? It's like, now I can, I can stop paying for that, which is the, the purpose, right? They wanted to reduce the cost. I reduce the cost check, yep, right? That's right. And so there is some sort of like, like that seems to be that receipt of value of the primary value that the VMware as an aggregate actually delivers to the head of infrastructure. Now, if you think of that as their North Star, and now going back to your product team independently, how does it contribute to delivering that value of turning things off being more platform oriented? So are you standing up the, like, yeah, what, what is your specific team's contribution to that value? Sure. Yeah. Current engagement. I have folks creating the platform. They're not taking it all the way into production because it's kind of beyond our scope. Uh, I have folks migrating apps into the not quite production environment. Um, and we all recognize it's out of our hands once we reach the end of our engagement. So how it informs what we do, I have sales folks, you know, kind of on notice, like, hey, you need to sell more services if they want to work with us. And even if you're not able to go all the way from proposal to a closed deal, and then we get to extend our work, that conversation will be enough to make sure that the customer understands the full scope of what they're up against. Whether they do it with us or without us, they still have to do it. We're here to help. Sure. They might not have the, yeah. the budget to hire us to continue to help. Doesn't change the fact that they got to do what they got to do. And you know, so, so there's like this plan delivery in that case where you're kind of like, here's, here's what you have to do in order to do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And then they can accept whether or not that we can help them do that, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, is the next step. Yeah, and and okay, and to it helps, I think, for our um, consultants, my solution architects, the engineers I'm working with, for them to have that in mind, that north star, it helps them make those sort of micro decisions about what they document, what they don't. You know, some things mm -hmm. we might just do the thing. We don't we don't have to document uh, anything other than we move the app and there it is. But uh, but if they know what's down the pike, they might say, oh well. We need to change that a little bit so that they understand if we only get 75% of the apps moved, they need to have the recipes for doing the other 25% on their own. If the yeah. So th those are the, this is that's how you deconstruct 
the things that influence that North Star, right? Which is, I think, what you're getting at is now you can say, well, is it the, you know, how many accounts migrated apps that actually then reduced the, you know, or sorry, turned off the old data center? So is that a prerequisite? So now that's something that you can control within your team to say, well, migrating apps is a high correlative, you know, metric of Mm -hmm. turning off old data centers for users. So great, let's do that. And then you can focus on the things that you can control, right? And so, but but it's probably not just that, right? It's all the other things too. And so at least it gives you that way to say, well, how how does the activities that we do within this engagement with a customer ladder up and influence that North Star metric that we can control? And then focusing on the team on that primary value prop. So if this, unless you're introducing a new value prop to the whole entirety of VMware, if that's the North Star, here's how we can influence it. Like it's very straightforward, right? As a team, it becomes like, well, the experiments I run, great. I know what I'm influencing, right? And so now I can, I can teach my team to fail a little bit more and be comfortable with failure in pursuit of driving that metric mm-hmm. because I know that they're trying to work towards the thing that really strategically matters for our business, right? Oh. Yeah, it, and there are, there are, of course, always trade-offs. It, it's in my role, I'm, I'm helping people understand the difference between local Optima and that North Star. You might be standing, you know, you might be climbing toward the top, but right. it's, it's a small peak. <laughs> you're not even, you're still in the yeah. foothills, right? So for those platform engineers building platform, instead of come on in and just let her rip and do what you do, it's let's take a step back, make sure that we're, we're delivering thin slices of value that allow the app developers and the, the app engineers to move on to something rather than you know, this, this beautiful platform that does everything that's 75% complete, let's give them something really ugly that they can actually work with the first day and let's get them something a little yeah, bit nicer do the, thing. Yeah. The, the fifth day yeah, and, right. and so forth. Yeah. Um, because there's always risk in like, well, what if, what if we find out, oh, these apps aren't going to work on that platform the way we have it engineered and we have to go back and right. re-architect. We need to know that as soon as possible. We can't find that out until we start playing with it. So we start actually using it. Um, the, the way I described it in a way is take a test-driven development approach to the whole thing and say, migrate an app in the beginning and you know it will not work. And then do the things you have to do to make that app work. If it's re-architecting, if it's turning on services, if it's doing whatever technical things, need to happen until that app works, you know, that that's a TDD approach, but instead of a test, it's an app. And instead of right. lines of code, it's platform infrastructure, same logic. And if you can get that app going, um, you've got yourself a working product. Is it the product you need for all the apps? Well, no. So then move on to the next app. And that's just like another mm. test for another feature, you know, just writ larger. Yeah. And and then how do you, when you're working with your teams, like how is that, how is the level of empowerment to go solve these challenges on the teams? Like they understand the scope of what they're, how they could influence it, right? And this is yes. the thing that I'm trying to work through now mm-hmm. is like we have, I have this mixture of teams that it, every, 
every once in a while, the confusion of being a platform to empower internal users versus like an external facing customer team. There's like this, this ebb and there's this push and pull between these two inclinations for some of these teams. And I'm, you know, one of the things I'm trying to figure out by making those product outcomes very clear for them is to give them that direction mm-hmm. to say, no, this is the thing. And then go do what you do as long as you do this outcome. Right. Yes. And I'm trying to balance like that level of that clarity. Right. Or I'm trying to provide the clarity, right. Just to enable the empowerment is where I'm kind of trying to get at with that. So how, yeah. How are you doing that with your, yeah. With your I, I mean, so, uh, be, there are so many moving parts. I cannot just write all the stories in the backlog and say, this is exactly what you have to do. It's, it's, it's beyond my capacity. What I can do is continually check in, remind people, continually remind people of what that North star is, where our work ends, which is, you know, a lot sooner than ever getting to that North star, but like what our what our scope is, but also the direction. Um, and I ask questions, I give reminders. When I hear people reflect back to me, what I think I said to them, I go, yep, they got it. And then I just trust uh, that right. they're, they're doing the right thing. And we have frequent check-ins and I look at what's going on in the backlog here. And I say, directionally, is this, is this right? I think it is cool. Or, oh, I don't know. Let me ask. And sometimes we need reminding. And sometimes then they remind me, you know, I might get in the weeds, take us down a false path. And then somebody says, I thought we were trying to do this. And I go, oh, correct. I was testing you. (laughs) Let's, (laughs) let's move that back to the icebox and focus on these other things. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. And then I, I, yeah, I guess, you know, one of the things where I keep getting, you know, stuck or it seems to, is around the outcomes, accountability over outcomes versus output and, mm-hmm. you know, finding the right cadence to check in on those outcomes with the team and, and coaching them to the outcomes, it, you know, in the, in the context of their work. And so that, that's another thing of like, when you're checking in, you mentioned like looking at a backlog, making sure those things are getting done, but are you doing any sort of like outcome, you know, debrief with your teams to say like, you know, what are your challenges? How are you, what are you learning in pursuit of that outcome? Like what is, you know, are you doing anything like that to help uncover what's going on? Yeah. I mean, typically we have a, typically we would have a periodic retro in this current case. We have a lot of trust coming out the gate. So we're able to kind of retro as we go. So when things don't feel right, somebody says something and then we slow down, have a conversation, see what needs changing and adjust. So, you know, Mm. typically we would have iteration planning meetings every week, but when we do really short engagements, like I've been doing lately, I, I try to do that every day. We just look at that mm, backlog mm. from a daily basis and, and make adjustments. So we are far, far away from doing two-week sprints. Like two weeks is way too long. Even a week is too long. We're thinking about stuff on a day-to-day basis and making adjustments, which can feel chaotic, 
to some folks. I mean, our, our customer is like, whoa, this is agile. And we say, well, yes, as long as we are very clear about what it's all for, then we make adjustments. It's not wild swings every day. It's adjustments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. And then with the adjustments, like maybe this is one of our last questions is probably dive into another topic for another time. But when you add code or you're starting to build, I know the, the nuance of your, your business is a little different, but as you're starting to add, you know, complete stories, get it out the door type of things. How many of those are things you end up throwing away because you've learned something different? Hmm. I would say because it's consulting, instead of code, it's more like conversations. So a lot of the, you know, right, the, the testing, the viability of things is often just floating ideas and seeing how those go. So as a, as a product manager, I'm having conversations in the background and, and poking around. I'm asking, can we do this? Can we do that? And I'm floating some things that I find out later are totally non-viable ideas. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so much better to just fall flat in conversation than, you know, in code. So, and, you know, and sometimes I, <laughs> I get people a little whipped up, like, we can't do that. And they're like, well, thank you for telling me. Can you tell me why? Can you <laughs> tell me how we can't do that? Yeah. And... 90% of the time, they're right, we can't, but 10%, it's like, oh, well, actually, I, yeah. maybe we can. So, And is there a reason why you don't do that in the code as well? Like you don't have the, the team also have that same sort of rhythm? They, well, there's, there's some of that. We do that in labs. So we have some people working, creating laboratory environments for things in the background. So there's a bit of that experimentation. We are so many layers removed from public end users that working in a lab is the closest thing. It's it's Got more it. around technical feasibility. I, I work along the lines of our engineers will do technical feasibility testing in the lab. I will do political viability by having conversations, you know, internally or, you know, with, with internal stakeholders or, or externally with the customer. But I... I I try to test everything out before I go to the customer because the political risk is higher. When you float a bad idea with a customer, it can introduce enough doubt that you can kill a project. And then in terms of desirability, hmm, I suppose that's, that's another conversation. But people, you know, you can get the temperature on desirability with the experiments and you know when it, when it comes to infrastructure the engineers will tell you like i like that or ooh no no mm. yeah yeah i find that well it's hard to be so far removed from that end user but it, which makes you know it just it, it's very difficult to actually like make you know those that iterative change or that progress with the customer that's right? where um, because there's yeah. there's a lot of assumptions and telephone in the mix it sounds like yeah, which is which is I mean I mean it's just the nature of some businesses, but 
it's unfortunate because you can't actually make those changes faster with the customer, right? Yeah. I mean, where the rubber, where we get to meet with the customer is in our case, when we do those app migrations, uh, we'll yeah. wherever possible. I mean, there, there are a couple of ways to do it. One is you point us to the re the code repos and we move them over here. But what we prefer to do when we can is you give us an app team and we pair with them to mm. help them move it over here. And so yeah. uh, they're doing it, they're learning it and we're guiding. It's like driver's ed. Yeah. That way we, we get to... We get to see a lot of things happen. Can they do it? Right? They, they learn. They, they get. They gain the experience of doing that work themselves. So it's a repeatable process right. that they've already practiced. But we also get to watch them do things that we didn't expect. Anytime you watch mm -hmm. a real user use your product, and you're like, "Whoa, uh, mm -hmm. that is an unanticipated use of that feature." Mm. Uh, we get to see that, and then we adjust. So if we are migrating an app. We learn some things, so when we go to the next app, we're smarter about it, or we have perhaps adjusted the architecture to accommodate. It's a it's a yeah. funny thing. Whenever platforms are involved, um, there are layers of users. You know, so our platform users are well, the yeah. app developers, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can potentially look at your persona as a user that is transcends the the you know that enterprise or the the type of account that they're assigned to it's always going to be somebody it sounds like somebody that's attempting to reduce the cost of their infrastructure and turning off their old data centers so it's like as long as you identify that group of people and the job that you're trying to help them with is to do that better and faster than anyone else can and if you think about it in that way there's probably a lot of ways that you could help them do that there's ways that you're currently doing it, but that's where the fun, exciting stuff comes. It's like, well, what are other ways, right? And then, mm -hmm. you know, you can start doing all the fun research stuff of how are they doing this today and, you know, and all the stuff that you, you all know, probably do. But if we were to, yeah, if we were to like wrap this up with a bit of homework for our listeners for the week on like product outcomes or kind of like, yeah, you know, I guess in general, like from the conversation, anything that you have top of mind to, in part? Well, I, I always go back to uh, that book, How to Measure Anything. You know, So thinking about how to measure intangibles, that's what this all is an exercise in. Think about one or two layers beyond what's in front of you. Because the, the, the North Star for who you serve is probably there. Like, what is the North Star for your customer? there are measurements in there. Yeah. They can also... That can, how to measure. That, yeah, I mean, yeah. L look at not just, you know, how do your stakeholders measure it, but how do your customers measure their success? What are their situations yeah. that they're trying to resolve? And how does your product or feature or whatever take them closer? You may find when you look deeper that your stakeholders are asking you to do something that hurts your customer that hurts oh. your user and it may not be obvious until you dig deeper yeah and then you have to get creative how can we help the customers and satisfy stakeholders inside this org 
Yeah, if they're misaligned, that seems to be another another issue. But yeah, it, I think yeah. So go ahead. Sorry. If you want to understand what that dilemma feels like, go read George Orwell's essay on shooting an elephant. It's a pretty quick read. Love it. It's great. I, I I guess I would add to this is you know define your company's uh, in turn your products north star. I find that in some of the enterprisey type companies, it's we always kind of navigate this dance with sales, CS, all these other internal stakeholders to get to the value of what we offer to our customers. But at the end of the day, they're hiring a business, they're hiring a product and to get something done. And that's a combination of whatever you have to offer that customer to solve their job. And so it should be, you should be able to look at it in that way and be able to define it. And then you can get validation and alignment through circulating and, and sharing that and collaborating with others in the business. Who is your primary user? What value are they getting out of, of your product? And how do they measure a job well done or the realization of that value? And then if you have that very clear understanding, everything else becomes so much easier as a product manager, especially then you can break it down into all these other subsegments. But I encourage you at least to do that exercise. If that's not already done for your organization, give it a shot. Mm -hmm. I like the way you said it. Cool. <laughs> well, thanks, Taj. It's always great to, great to see you, man. Appreciate you imparting some knowledge on us today. And it looks like we finished up our coffee. So go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover. And who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.